Happy New Year and welcome to Free Trails Rollout of the 2023 Trail Runner of the Year Award presented by Ketone IQ. I'm your host, Dylan Bowman, and for the first 10 days of 2024, we will be counting down the top 10 trail athletes in the world for both men and women, as was voted on by a thousand trail running fans from around the world. Together with the athletes, we recount their seasons, contemplate highs and lows, meditate on some learnings, and look ahead to their goals for the future. As I said, Trail Runner of the Year is presented by Ketone IQ, the game-changing ketone supplement that is taking the endurance world by storm. You'll hear more from them later, but please visit the show notes for a link you can use for 30% off your first subscription of this amazing product. It's hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. And again, that link is in the show notes. Today, we're joined by the number six trail runners of the year, Judith Wider from Switzerland and Jonathan Albin from Great Britain, though he lives in Norway. What amazing seasons from both. Judith, a mother of two, posted a second place finish at the Short Trail World Championship, another second place at the Pikes Peak Ascent, a win at Mammoth Trail Fest, and then finished it off with a second place at the Golden Trail World Series Final. Jonathan Albin, what an absolute machine this guy is. Third place at Zagama, fifth place at the World Championship, and then double victories at CCC and Templier, two of the most important races in Europe. He may just be the best middle distance trail guy in the world right now. As we've been doing, we'll play the interviews back to back, starting with Judith, then we'll be back again tomorrow for number five. Judith Wider, welcome to the show. It's very nice to have you and it's nice to meet you. Congratulations on being the number six trail runner of the year. Thanks. Thanks for voting and thanks for having me. Yes. Maybe uh, in broad context here, how are you feeling about your 2023 season as the, the year comes to a close? Yeah, it's actually quite long, far away already. Um, my thoughts have changed quite much towards 2024. But looking back to this year, I'm really proud and thankful for all these awesome races and meetings I had with people and like everything. And yeah, it was an awesome year. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about some of those awesome accomplishments that you had, but it seems like you're settling into Christmas mode, going skiing with your children and playing around in the snow. Is that right? Yeah, true. Yeah, it's actually the last school day tomorrow, so then they will be off. So probably a lot of cross-country skiing, downhill skiing next few days and some trainings beside that. So yeah, <laughs> that's um, fun, but it's also with small kids, it's kind of nervous time as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to these yeah. few days. And it's the last work day of the year for a lot of people tomorrow too. So uh, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, part of what makes your story interesting, you're the only mother in the top 10 this year in Trail Runner of the Year. There's four dads. So I, I'd love to hear you just sort of, I'm a new father myself. I have a 16 month old boy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to hear you just talk a little bit about, you know, the, the um, you know, the joy that brings to your life and and, and to your running and to your training and also how you balance being a professional athlete, all the training and travel that's required to compete as one of the world's best while being a mother of two. 
So actually, I'm quite surprised there uh, that there are not more women with kids because they're actually quite good girls out there doing both like Rachel Drake or other girls who do like both being an athlete and a mom at the same time. Um, but when it comes to myself, uh, I don't know. It's just like I'm really happy to have them in my life I wouldn't change anything and of course it's perfect to be still be able to do professional sports beside that but it needs way more flexibility and probably like my training days look a bit different than a normal athlete kind of because they're like kind of never the same in a week, like never ever a day looks the same because there's always something happening and something going on with kids. But on the other hand, it brings a lot of lots of fun and other thoughts and other time to spend with. So it's not only being an athlete, it's being a mom as well. Um, traveling for me is quite hard. So when, when I went to US two weeks I had, um, that was kind of a hard time for me. It was the first time for a long time. So but doing races here in Europe, it's kind of nice to have them with me at some point and sometimes also travel by myself. But they're like part of this team doing this sport and these wet competitions. And that's kind of fun to have them in my team uh, together with lots of other people like coaches and sponsors and husband and everything else. It's so cool. Well, yeah, it's such a, I think, a well said and interesting part of your story and a great example to other mothers out there who have similar sporting ambitions. Let's start talking about your season with the second place finish at the world championships. I know you're a five-time world champion of orienteering. So what was it like to go to Austria, secure a, a silver medal in the trail running world championships this year, and maybe say anything you want to say about, you know, whether your family was there to support you? So yeah, actually they were there together with my parents um, who took care of them because my husband is the team coach of Swiss athletics. So he was actually the coach of mine together with another one um, at these championships. But yeah, coming to into this championship, I had quite a hard time. I had a fracture one and a half years ago in my old pubic. So I couldn't run for a long time. I ran the world champs in Thailand, but just the short distances. I didn't decide actually which distance I will be able to run until a few weeks before this championship. So for me, these 46K, it was way out of the comfort zone, way out of what I have been training for. My longest run was probably 22 or so kilometers. <laughs> um, yeah, and we had 46 and some uphill meters so yeah it was um out of comfort zone but i was just enjoying running so much that day it was just like going out on a nice run in perfect surrounding with perfect people around and that made it working so well i think but yeah it took a lot of energy as well um I had like the day after, of course, uh, my kids were brought back with me. So I was kind of like not taking a lot of rest. So yeah, it was a hard time after that as well. But it was really nice to be able to run 46K and do that good 
on that race. That's so cool. Maybe say a few words about orienteering because it's not a sport or a pursuit that's very well known, at least here in the United States. And you're a multiple time world champion with that. So again, this is a medal in a totally different sport than trail running at this year's world championships. What What is uh, orienteering specifically and what part of that experience has translated to your running career? So orienteering is kind of a race in the forest or in the cities. So it depends if it's forest runs or city sprints. Um, and you do have a map. You get it at the starting point. You run your course, which is marked on the map as fast as you can. Um, the fastest in the finish is winning, of course. But it's single star. So it's kind of like different to trail races normally. We have relays as well. So the team aspect is even more important in orienteering too. But actually, when it comes to trail running of course like running in the forest running fast in cities this helps a lot to my trail running ability to be able to run in technical terrains but also to do fast splits on flat terrain like we had in austria to do these 330 kilometers in a 40k race and um, that's kind of helping me a lot and probably also I was not looking for a second career as a trail runner. So I was really happy with my orienteering career back in, which I had over 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, but this like how to approach a race and how to, to approach your goals or to do your race in a like flexible way. I take a lot from that, from my orienteering career. That's great. You mentioned a second ago your trip to the United States where you took part in both the Pikes Peak Ascent and the Mammoth Trail Fest, earning a second place and a first place finish, respectively. Was that your first time racing the United States? And I'd love to hear you just say a few words about both those experiences. Yeah, it was actually my first time racing in the U.S. Um, I've never, like, there were, have been World Cups in orienteering in the U.S. as well, but not in my time, actually, when I was racing internationally. So I was to other places overseas, but never to U.S. And it was fun. It was really nice. I mean, U.S. is immense. If you compare it with Switzerland, it's kind of like you have Switzerland over, like, so many kilometers you have beautiful mountains you have beautiful lakes you have we do not have the ocean but you have like everything there but it takes so much time to travel um so yeah i mean it was really nice to see this and to discover um kind of this um yeah lifestyle for once but it was also nice to come back home again to have like my t tiny little Switzerland yeah. <laughs> and not to be not to need travel like travels for hours to get to the mountains as well. But yeah, and the races itself, I mean, to run Pikes Peak, one you have to run this race once in a lifetime. I think it's just like so, so beautiful, so special, so demanding. Uh, I was like really forced, like it was tough up there. Yeah. Uh, and Mammoths itself, it's a beautiful surrounding there, of course. And the like the team who does this race, they're just amazing. So it's really fun to race this race as well. Yeah, so cool. Maybe say a few words about the camaraderie that 
is engendered in the Golden Trail World Series when all the pro athletes are traveling together, often staying in the same accommodations and then having to race each other. So there's a mix between competition and friendship and good sportsmanship. It feels like a fun experience for the professional athletes. Yeah, it is. Um, it's really fun to travel together and to get to know these people a lot. Um, you have the possibility to talk more because when I'm traveling in Europe, I always have my family around me. So I do not have lots of time to meet other athletes, to talk with them a lot. So it's really fun to travel two weeks together, do other stuff than competing. But of course, um, on the other hand, for me, these races were the counting races. So I had to do good if I want to go to the final um, and do good there too. So of course, I didn't go on every run they did and I didn't do every like fun activity as well, but probably also because I was the oldest lady woman <laughs> traveling with the twenty-year-old girls. So, yeah, it's fun because they're in other like other uh, time of their career, and it brings a lot of joy in my running. Um, but I'm I'm also happy that I'm not back in at that point at the moment and yeah. just enjoying sports how it is. So you finished your season with a win at the the Kulumanen 57K qualifying for OCC next year. And you posted about how it was a fun, different challenge because it's a flatter race than what you're typically accustomed to racing mostly on the Golden Trail World Series, at least this season. Say a few words about Kulumanen and then maybe look ahead towards OCC and how you're thinking about your goals for next year. So I actually got second, uh, beaten by, I think, the best lady in the longer trails this year. Um, Ingvild, right? Kaspersen uh, was yes. winning this race. So, um, but I hadn't, I must say, I hadn't the goal to win this race. Um, I was really tired from the season, from traveling. But on the other hand, I needed to have this qualification for OCC next year. So my goal, my aim of this race was only to to run and to have fun and enjoy and get top three. Yep. So that was okay. It was not the best race, but it was okay. I was second and that was enough. Um, I mean, Kilaman is different. It is really different. It's lots of asphalt. It's lots of gravel road. It's uh, not technical at all. It's not big elevation at all, like 700 meters of uphill uh, meters on 57K, which is like nothing. And I must say, I was not sure if I want to go for OCC after that. <laughs> well, OCC is definitely more mountainous, <laughs> not nearly as flat as cool. But happily, I had people around me telling that exactly. Yeah. And I might still go for OCC next year to just find this new challenge into my running. Yeah. But yeah, it was different. And I would probably not look for a flat 57 or 60K race again. But um, yeah. <laughs> I love Sweden. I love competing in Sweden. It's my second home. I speak the language. So it's kind of like everything comes together there. But yeah, they have nicer mountains than maybe the Kulaman yeah. trail. Well, my apologies to Ingvild Kasperson. Yeah, she won. You were second place and she also had a phenomenal season. So shout out to Ingvild. Aside from OCC, are there any goals for 2024 you'd like to share to leave the audience with? 
Yeah, um, it's not everything set actually, because um, it's quite hard with all these series um, needing it's always there. They want to have more competitions all the time, like Golden Trail will have four counting races plus the final. Sky Running does the same. So it's kind of like really difficult with these shorter races. So I might go for some races in the Golden, but it's not yet set if I do the whole Golden Trail. So probably Mont Blanc and um, Ciertinal for sure. Maybe if we can arrange some holidays together with the family, some US trail uh, trip again. But then on the other hand, the European champs, they're in ANSI, which is like two hours drive from my home. And I will for sure go there and do shorter distances again, only uphill and up and down, which is like the longest will be like 12K or 14K, I think. So it's going to be fun to do some short, fast things before switching to long and hopefully fast yeah. trails as well. Awesome. <laughs> Judith, it's great to get to know you. I've been ending these conversations with the same question for everybody, and that is just to ask you to give kudos or recognition to somebody on your team who is behind the scenes, but who is a big contributor to your success. Yeah, um, it's hard to tell one person probably because there's so many in my like surrounding with the family. But yeah, without my husband and without my coach, Thomas Hürzeler, it would not work. There, um, My husband, he tries to help me all the time with the kids, but also with work and with everything. So yeah, probably without him, I would not run anymore. Probably, yes. Yeah. Well, again, congratulations on a fantastic 2023. Can't wait to see what you do next year. Thank you. Yeah. Looking forward to 2024 and see you on the trails. Trail Run of the Year is presented by Ketone IQ, the groundbreaking endurance nutrition product that is taking the world by storm. Scientifically proven to support endurance and recovery, Ketone IQ is trusted by some of the world's top performers, from Navy SEALs and Tour de France cyclists to pro athletes across all major sports, including now many of the world's best trail runners. I use Ketone IQ daily in my training and during my working hours, often right before recording podcasts or basically anytime I need to be on my A game because that's what this is. Ketone IQ is A game juice. There's a bunch of research on their website, but a couple important stats to leave you with here. Ketone supplementation has been shown to lead to a 7% improvement in cognitive performance. They're 28% more efficient sources of energy than glucose, which you find in most energy gel products. And finally, ketones have been shown to produce a 2% improvement in endurance. You can find references to this literature again on their website. These are huge numbers that the sporting world is starting to wake up to. Ketone IQ is on the cutting edge. This is the future of sports nutrition. Take advantage by visiting hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30 for 30% off a subscription hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. Jonathan Albin, welcome back to the show, buddy. Happy new year and congratulations on being number six in trail runner of the year. Thank you very much. And happy year to you too. How, uh, how are things feeling after another amazing season? I, we were just talking about how oh, it's the dark months where you live there in Norway. Are you managing to stay productive or are you settled into uh, sort of off-season mode? Uh, yeah, I think I'm managing pretty well. The dark months aren't actually as bad here because it snows and then they, everything gets a little bit lighter. Um, I think probably one of the worst months is normally November, 
but it's been a great like sort of like early winter season here lots of alpine climbing good conditions and some some snow already so it's been it's been fun and i'm back in a good training groove so enjoying myself awesome and i saw you took a little training vacation which maybe we can talk about in a second but first i wanted you to brag about your wife really quick you just posted about a fun adventure that you recently supported her on tell the people what i'm talking about there yeah, she actually went for um, a Bob Graham round, which is this yeah um, route in the Lake Districts where you've got forty-two peaks, starting in Keswick and going around hundred kilometers, eight thousand meters of climb. And she chose to do it in the midwinter, which is probably yeah when it's going to be toughest to do. And she absolutely smashed it, and I was there supporting her. I ran some of the legs with her, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Super, super cool. Yeah. And I imagine that, you know, winter Bob Graham rounds, which is of course an iconic sort of FKT route there in the Lake Districts, as you said, is can be a, a wet, windy affair. And uh, most people, I think, tackle it in the summer months. So big shout out to Henry on that awesome run. So you opened your season at Zagama. Talk about that performance and how it set up the rest of your year. Third place at one of the most competitive, most storied marathon distance races in the world. How, how'd you feel about that one? Yeah, I was um, pretty happy with third place. I think I kind of missed an opportunity and felt like I could have done more. Uh, but it was still a lot of a lot of fun, really gnarly conditions. Uh, great just to get around in one piece, to be honest, because uh, it was slippery as hell. Um, so yeah, it was a good way to start the year. But to be honest, like the whole first half of the season, I wasn't really in the right place and uh, did actually kind of struggle a bit. I mean, the results don't really show that because I still got some relatively good results, but I kind of still wanted more out of myself as always. That's really interesting. I want to hear more about that. What opportunity did you feel like you missed at Zagama? Did you just not like respond to a move or something like that? Yeah, I think um, I think just generally, I think I could have performed better. I mean, I think the win was there for me, but I didn't get my legs conditioned for the downhills as well as I could do. Mm. I could have made a few uh, different decisions based on sort of like the slipperiness and sort of like which shoes to wear and and whatnot and also i missed an aid station so i missed some fuel mm. so like i think i deserved third and i think that was a, a good place for me and like i'm not sure whether even like those things would have meant that i could have performed better but i definitely wanted to perform better and felt like it was like slightly a missed opportunity to to get that elusive win in zagama which is one of the more famous trail races sort of ever really yeah super interesting so coming back to what you just said about how the first half of the season was unsatisfactory, you were fifth place at the world championship, something that most people would celebrate. Expand on, you know, the feeling of maybe underperforming there or was fifth place part of that early season struggle that you just referenced? Yeah, it was definitely, that was part of it. I think I just didn't, I just didn't recover well enough after Zagama and that's like completely my own fault. I just didn't. I didn't rest enough afterwards. I started to sort of panic train. I wanted to get back into the the amount of training I was doing during the winter months, like pre-Zagama, and just didn't really listen to the body and just everything closed up, um, which wasn't wasn't great. But then I still felt like I was at World Champs. I could give it my all. And then I got this leg uh, infection thing. So all the pores in all my hair follicles in my legs got infected, I think, from a massage. 
So then it was just a case of like damage control and it was just a disgusting, a disgusting run. But I had to give it everything because it's also the team competition. So I, I gave it my absolute all, but really I, I, I would have loved to have been in a slightly better position to, to run a bit faster. It must be comforting though, that even on a disgusting day, as you describe it, you can get fifth place at a world championship. I mean, most people, that would be a career highlight. I wanted to ask you, because I noticed that it seems like you've developed a pretty awesome back and forth rivalry with Francesco Pupi because he finished just ahead of you at the World Championships last year. You finished just ahead of him at the World Championships this year and then also just ahead of him at Templier, which we'll come around and talking about here soon. Have you guys sort of had any private conversations that the audience would find entertaining around that subject? No, not really. To be honest, uh, he's like such a nice guy. Whenever we've talked, he's just been, you know, about training, about how, how we're doing and stuff. And to be honest, it is strange how we just keep on turning up at the same events. But we do search out some of the more competitive events. And he's also had like a really up and down year. Mm. But it does seem that when we meet, he normally does bring his A game. It's really tight between us. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so cool. So probably you felt like you turned it around with what I'm assuming is the major highlight of your season of victory at CCC going from second place in 2022 winning here in 2023. And it seemed like just a flawless, beautifully executed race. What were the main takeaways there and how are you feeling about that victory? Yeah, that was um, definitely over the summer. I had to sort of, you know, like take a break, regroup and get back to basics and then just sort of try and salvage what I could. So I definitely felt like, um, well, I DNF'd out of Marathon Mont Blanc, which helped because I guess that was sort of uh, another nail in the coffin that I managed to sort of like not hammer in. And then uh, I didn't turn up at Cezanel as well. So that was another race off the out of the way. Um, I also took a complete week off and went and learned to paraglide. So that was like really great for both the body and the mind to go and do something new, learn a new skill and something I've always wanted to do. Um, and all those things led to me being able to have good shape, not as good as the year before, but being a lot happier in myself and then able to actually utilize that shape. So I think in the end, having like that experience meant I pretty much got the exact same time as before, if not like a little bit quicker, but that wasn't because I was fitter. It's just because I was yeah, able to use that fitness and also had the experience and managed to nail the fueling a little bit more and the pacing and, um, just get round and feel like I executed a little bit better than I did uh, the year previous. It's just dawning on me that there's a parallel there with Jim Walmsley too, right? Who finally was able to achieve victory at UTMB. And he had sort of some hiccups in the middle of his season, was forced to remove the world championships from his calendar in the same way that you removed, you know, Mont Blanc Marathon and Sierras and all maybe setting yourself up for a better race there in Chamonix with the increased freshness does that resonate with you yeah i think so and also i think like um we can plan and plan and plan but sometimes there's this just random things happen and they can happen for the best and they're so hard to plan in but sometimes just stuff stuff comes around and you have to roll with the punches and it can actually really help um and it's just you would never foresee or plan in something like what what just happens and sometimes that does like uh Make things come, make things come good uh, by the end. Yeah, take us into the moment when you pass Shen, because uh, I watched most of the live broadcast, and like I said, it was just such a beautifully executed race where Shen and Dakota 
were sort of off the front and Shen seemed to be in great condition, was having a great race himself, but you just were surgical with your pacing and execution. I'd love to hear you talk about just like the psychology of letting those guys go earlier, trusting in your plan, and then talk about the moment when you took the lead. Yeah, I think as for letting them go, I actually had like no choice. I had to because I didn't have the acclimatization or even the fitness to really hold with from the start. So that was the only way it could happen. And it's pretty much what I did the year before, let everyone go, and it still came relatively good by the end. So I tried not to panic too much, but coming into Champagne and being, I think, something like 12 minutes behind, that was scary. Uh, but then there's nothing you can do. you just got to carry on running give it your all and just execute as well as as well as you can. And it, on that day, it started to come back to me. So I got Dakota. He started actually puking on the aid station. So that was kind of a, okay, like I, I've overtaken him. It doesn't really look like he's going to be coming back strong. So then, then it was just Shen. And he was still running really well, especially on the downhills. I was having to, to let him go. Uh, but then I got him on that really slight gradual uh, – uphill out of Allocene and made a real point to try and look as fresh as I could, like really put my chest up, run strong, like try and like break his wheel a little bit and make it seem as if I was just sort of floating. And I kept that going actually quite a ways up the next climb. Uh, but I had uh, accidentally not taken enough fluid from, from Valocene, so started to dry up well before um getting to Flagelle. So it was a really high risk, but it, it came good and uh I really enjoyed it in the end. It's it's just it's such a nice feeling to be able to execute well and uh actually then be able to get the win um yeah. as well. So victories at OCC and CCC at this point. Maybe we'll talk about uh future plans <laughs> here in a second. And you also secured a golden ticket with your victory at CCC, which we'll talk about here in a second. But just to bring the story of your season full circle. You closed the year with another victory at Templier, your second win at that iconic race in Southern France. Anything you want to share about that race and just how it sort of put a exclamation point and really gave you the validation that the early season struggles were just a temporary phenomenon? Yeah, I think that race was, uh, I think I got away with it. I'd actually, uh, when I got back from uh, CCC, got really bad food poisoning or water poisoning or something. So I got really sick, which probably was a good thing because um, it meant I couldn't start running sooner. But then also I lost a bunch of weight and felt, I felt like uh, things weren't good. And we'd planned to start work on the house. So I was pretty much every day, nine to five type job and at the weekends, like replacing the roof, all the walls, cladding, windows, like everything. So I, I felt like I just about got away with Tom Fear because it was not that long after CCC and I still had the training in me from from the summer. But a few weeks later, and I think it could have been a, a completely different story. And I'm glad the race worked out as well as it did. Like I, I managed to use a lot of experience and I managed to to pace it well. But the legs were not good at halfway. So I'm glad I managed to, to hold it together to the end. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations on an awesome season. Looking ahead now, as I just referenced, you have accepted a golden ticket to come here and race in North America at the Western States 100. Of course, one of the most important races in the world. Talk about, you know, the decision to accept that golden ticket and what you're doing to get ready. Uh, yeah, I mean, the decision to accept it, uh, it does feel that a lot of the decisions I've made in my running career have been a bit random and just sort of like reacting to, to up to, to people asking me to do things or just like rolling with the, 
with the punches. So it kind of felt like it was the right decision to make. I've always wanted to run Western and now just a, a golden ticket kind of almost accidentally fell into my lap. So it was like almost a no brainer to, to say yes. It's just then I had to work out how I'm going to train for it, considering normally I ski all winter. Um, and that was going to really, really put a, a dent in how much skiing I could do because you do have to run quite a lot. And 100 miles so early in the year is um, definitely uh, different uh, to train for than anything else I've done. But it's a new challenge. And it's uh, I've not done a 100-mile trail race before. Um, it's going to be hot. I don't really know the course that well. It's going to be high, definitely, at the beginning. Uh, just going to be a lot of stuff there, which I'm going to have to try and deal with. And I'm excited for that sort of new challenge to try and prepare. For. Well, we're very excited to have you. As we wind down, any other things on the calendar for next year that you care to share with the audience at this point? No, I think like most most of my effort is going to be angled towards Western. I will be possibly uh, brushing off the obstacle racing uh grips and whatnot I have down in the cellar. So maybe it'll be an obstacle race earlier in the year. And then I'm just going to see what happens after that. Like uh, just see what happens with Western and then make uh, a plan uh, moving on. But definitely everything is angled towards Western at, at present. Yeah. And it seems like, as I said, at the beginning of our conversation, you were just in Grand Canaria doing some dry ground training during the dark months in Norway, probably using this as a time to spend less time on skis more time in your running shoes in preparation for western is that right yeah for sure like um normally yeah, around november is a really dark and wet and crappy crappy month at home so that is one of the times it is nice to get away and yeah i am going to have to train differently and i think a few training camps is going to be key to that preparation so i actually really enjoyed grand canaria i think it was like a really nice island for cycling for running just to be at to be honest so i think we'll be trying to head back there uh, or somewhere similar in the next months for one or two more weeks uh, hotter drier running and uh, i'm actually looking forward to it. yeah i was gonna say it's a great place to train for something like western states especially when you're looking for dry ground there in the winter months jonathan thanks for taking the time and asking everybody the same closing question that is just to give recognition or kudos to somebody on your team who helped you be successful this season Ooh, just one person. That's that's tough. Um, someone on my team. I mean, friend, okay. training yeah, partner, physio. Yeah, it would have to be Henrietta. Yeah. I mean, everything everything I've managed to do in my whole career has been in some way, shape, or form down to Henrietta, yeah. and she she's been helping managing manage me this year. She's like my sounding board for um for planning training and she's pretty much like a half coach as well. So, I mean, uh, I'd have to, I'd have to give the accolade. To him. Yeah. Everybody's using and their, their... At CCC <laughs> and at Tom Fiat, uh, and she would likely be crewing me at Western. So I'm going to have to try and keep her sweet. Heck yeah. Well, it's a good thing you returned the favor there at the Bob Graham round for her. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jonathan, uh, again, great to catch up with you briefly. Congratulations on an awesome season. Look forward to seeing you at Western States. Cool. Thank you very much. And thanks to everyone who voted for me. That's it for today. Tune back in tomorrow as the countdown continues for the 2023 Trail Runner of the Year presented by Ketone IQ. Speaking of which, don't forget, go get some ketones. HVMN.com forward slash free trail 30 for 30% off your subscription. Thanks so much to Ketone IQ for supporting the Trail Runner of the Year. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Love you. Bye.